Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Zach Norris, and today I'm going to be talking with yet another person who I think has a valuable skill set that's useful to everyone out there. Each week, I interview one new person, and we chat about their successful habits and routines. And I chat with people I've connected with in my life who I think have something valuable to offer to each and one of you who are listening. I recognize that everyone has a unique quality about them that makes them shine, and if we take the highlights of each of those we know and we apply them to our own lives, we then begin to exponentially grow as individuals. We learn and adapt so that we can become the best version of who we want to be. So let's get started on this now. Like I said, my name is Zach, and today I've got Mitchell Hogue on here with me. Mitch is from Colorado, and he has experience in the modeling, acting, and influencing industries. And Mitch currently travels the world as a model for many agencies, such as Joy in Milan, Red Model Management in New York, and Caroline Gleason in Miami, and a ton of others. And he's great at reading people, and he can really break down who's genuine and who's not. And he's also really good at relating to people. So I'm going to go ahead and let Mitch introduce himself and tell you about who he is. So welcome, Mitch. Really excited to have you on here today. How's it going? Good. It's going really good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So I grew up in Colorado. Um, I grew up in a family of five. Um, my dad is a motivational speaker, so I kind of grew up with, with that mindset of um, striving for more and that kind of stuff. And he coached me in just about every sport, so I was super, super close with him. Um, growing up, and then my brother is um, five years older than me, and I was always super close with him. And then my sister is three years older than me, and, and we're all very, very tight. Um, and now we're all kind of spread out, which is definitely different, but we all grew up together, which was super nice. And then I moved to Breckenridge um, when I was 16 part-time for snowboarding, um, which is definitely more physically demanding than I, than I wanted. Um, and then at 18, well, technically 17, actually, I, I moved out to LA. So now I'm out here living the dream. <laughs> That's awesome. So, w- what kind of made you take the transition from Colorado to LA? Um, really, it was just an environment. I think for me, I, I, I a, a very big product of my environment, and I, I see off the energy that's around me. So it's, it's, people aren't creative or are negative or that kind of thing. I really, I, I've learned to block it out more over the years, but I definitely, in a product of it. So I think moving to LA just helped me in, in the creative field that I'm in. And I still go back to Colorado a lot because I think a lot of parts of Colorado um, inspire me artistically for sure. But um, LA is where, where the industry is and, and I love it out here. So. Gotcha. Uh, were you signed to an agency of any sort before you moved out, or did you move out and then it kind of followed from there? I was. So I was actually signed in, in California before I signed in Colorado. Really? So, uh, yeah. So I, I signed out here when I was 15 to um, Auto Auto Models, which is in Orange County. And they're a little boutique agency, so they're not super big, but um, Teresa over there, she... She's the best, and, and she was my mother agent, meaning she is kind of like a manager, and she sets me up with the bigger agent. Gotcha. So that's how that works. Well, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> was it kind of overwhelming to begin in that sort of field, or were you kind of uh, just kind of ready for it? Um, I think I was ready for it. I think having having a dad being a speaker and, 
and a brother being in a band, I think I was also always exposed to to kind of the entertainment industry, and I, I knew the dark sides of it, and I knew how to avoid that. Um, there definitely are parts of it that, that aren't fun, and I mean, we've seen that with all the allegations coming out. So um, I think going into it, I don't think it was overwhelming because I, I knew how to navigate it. So, yeah. Do you think that your your dad being kind of the powerful, I guess, speaker he is, do you think that kind of influenced the way that you were able to um, push your way into these opportunities just with the rhetoric that you've learned from him? Completely. I think I think that's been honestly one of the, the biggest things I'm thankful for growing up is I was always surrounded by books and podcasts and, um, I mean, every day I'd be... I'd be filling my mind with something that would that would change my perception on um, something I would do daily. So, And he was always a big part of that because I was so close there. So, yeah, man, I think me and, me and my dad are so close that we feed off of each other, too. So it's, it's almost like a game. We always try to bring, like, each other different information that we know we'll be attracted to. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you said you were kind of interested in books and podcasts growing up. What are some of the, the books, I guess, that have really influenced uh, your success? Um, I love books. I'm, I'm such a nerd for books. Um, <laughs> I probably read one a week, probably. Um, it's, it's such a nice getaway for me. And I've always been, um, I'm a, I've always been a very spiritual person. Uh, so the motivational books always, I, I read a lot of them in the beginning, um, Tony Robbins and, um, Maxwell and, and all those kind of books, but a lot of them just seem, seem dull to me after a while, and I feel like all the people who are at the top in any field are very, very spiritual in some sense, too, and they know themselves, so that kind of attracted me to Eckhart Tolle and um, Miguel Ruiz and, and all those kind of books, so that's kind of what I'm, I've been on lately, and um, I've been on a lot of philosophy lately. So all the all the Greek philosophers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Do you tend to prefer books over podcasts, or do you think they're both just as equal? Or um, for me, it's really just whatever I'm doing. So if I'm if I have a day of travel, I'm going to be on a plane for fourteen hours. I'll I'll read. But if I'm um, at the gym, I'll listen to a podcast. Or if I'm um, walking around the castings in New York from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. where I don't, I can't be looking down the book. I'll throw on, I'll queue up three podcasts for the day and I'll listen to those throughout the day. So it really just depends. Gotcha. I'm sure, I, I guess the life of you being a model with all these agencies and such is probably very um, strenuous or whatnot. What does kind of an average day for you look like? Um, it's, it's an industry that, um, I always, this question is always interesting for me because it's an industry where no day is ever really the same. I mean, I've had, I've had weeks where I wake up on a Monday and I literally do not have one thing going the whole week. And by 4 PM on that Monday, I'm booked out for the next month. Um, so it really just comes in waves. So I mean, an average day in New York, um, it also depends on the city. So an average day in New York, I'd wake up um, probably around around 5 or 6 a.m., grab a coffee. Um, I always meditate in the morning. So I'll usually meditate or read. Um, 
and then um, usually go to castings if I don't have a job that day. So casting, pretty much what it is, is brands will we'll rent out a place for a day or two, and the creative directors and the designers will be in, in, in the room, and you'll go in there and walk for them. And, um, it is strenuous because a lot of them are judgmental, and, and after a while, it, it, even if you try to ignore it, it does sink in unconsciously. So, um, yeah, you do, do castings and all that and, um, then wait, wait for a callback or that kind of thing and, and run around until you get one. And then if you have a job, usually there's a call time. So you wake up and, um, you know, go to your call time and they feed you and you work the whole day and then get off work usually around eight or nine at night and then wake up and do it again. So, I mean, I feel like it keeps you on your toes. It sounds like a, a super interesting time, um, being able to do something different each day, and uh, sounds kind of fun, you know? It's, it's kind of the life. Completely. And yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I don't... After... Well, it's funny because my body and mind have, have adapted to it so much that even when I'm in a place for more than, like, a week or two, I get so antsy. Like, I can't sit. I have a hard time meditating. I, I just can't really be, like present because I I, wow. I just like traveling so much now that going from city to city and place to place and eating new food and meeting new people and all that kind of stuff has just become such a part of my my weekly routine that I think when I don't have that so there's definitely a gap interesting um, do you think that your meditation has been something that's really helped you out in keeping your sanity I guess 100% yeah if I I usually meditate on gratitude in the morning and then um, gratitude and attention in the morning and then at, at night I usually meditate for, for reflection. So if I met those intentions or um, if I, you know, touch enough people or thank enough people or uh, that, that kind of thing. And I think, I think for me it really just grounds me. I think when you're going from, from place to place and event to event, I think the the stories that you, the horror stories that you hear about the industries, it's when people, you know, their head gets too big and and they get caught up in it all. I think meditation for me really is just grounding and and I feel more at peace to say. For people who are trying to meditate or whatnot, what kind of suggestions can you give them? Maybe a guide, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, on how to do that. Um, so I started out with um, guided meditations, actually. So there's an app called Insight Timer, and that's what I used, um, which I love. It's almost like a Facebook for meditation, so different people post their meditations, and you can pick what you want to meditate on. So there's a gratitude column, there's a intention column, there's a love column. You know, there's different things you can meditate on. Um, so I think starting out, start you always start slow, so for five minutes, um, one week, the next week go to 10, the next go to 15. Um, and I think the, the misconception of meditation is everybody, a lot of people struggle with meditation because they sit down and they think, okay, have no thoughts, have no thoughts, have no thoughts. But that's not the goal of meditation. The goal of meditation is to be aware of the thoughts. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's okay if your mind is scattered and, and you can't sit still, just be aware that those thoughts are there but just disconnect yourself from them almost like you're, you're watching your thoughts pass by like a car. I think that's the goal of meditation. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you, how long do you think that would take for, I guess, 
a beginner to master? I don't think you ever. I don't think you ever master it. I mean, interesting. Um, Deepak and and um, all those people are still trying to master it, um, and 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 Dalai Lama and all those guys are still trying to master it, and they still struggle with it. I think it's hard not to struggle with it when when you watch the news and see all that's going on. So I think just always starting out slow. I mean, there's two minute meditations that you can do. Um, it's, it's as simple as taking a couple of deep breaths or. Or that kind of thing. So, and I and I also think a lot of people think meditation is sitting on a pillow with your legs crossed, but meditation can also be doing the dishes or riding a bike as long as you're you're present and you're aware of those thoughts. I mean, I know for my mom, she dishes is her thing. Like that's she that's her meditation. That's when she kind of reflects. And I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> for a lot of people, it is. So interesting. I think for myself, that would probably be driving. I think driving is something that would uh, be my meditation. Um, I, yeah. If you look at it that way. Um, I think, like you're saying, like a common misconception about it is that it has to be just in one specific spot. You're sitting in a room and you're like looking at a wall or something like that or your eyes are closed, you know, like the classic sort of thing. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be, it sounds like, which is awesome. Yeah, driving, that, that's completely relatable, I think. Uh, would you, do you drive with music on? Uh, every here and there, yeah. A music or a podcast, depending on the day. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people, I know some people meditate with music. So instead of focusing on their thoughts going by, they focus on the music of it, just like you're focusing on dishes or driving or that kind of thing. Uh, so it's always interesting to, to ask if people listen to music when they drive. Huh. Interesting. Well, I guess kind of to shift gears here, um, I know you were involved in, I guess, your own sort of nonprofit, and it's called the Model Citizen Nonprofit. Um, could you elaborate on that and tell us what that is? Yeah, of course. Um, so, Model Citizen Nonprofit is, I guess, after I saw what the industry was and and how self-absorbed a lot of people were and and just the industry that I'm in there's such a spotlight on everybody who who are at the top it's it's people who you see on the TV and the magazines and there's such a spotlight that a lot of them do do charities and non-profits but it's not publicized and so the whole goal with Model Citizen Nonprofit was to bring together the models and actors and influencers and almost put them on like a, a team roster. In uh, each month, you have each month there's one thing that always goes on. It's a hurricane or it's um, a disease breakout or it's that kind of thing. And so the whole goal of it was to bring awareness to that one problem going on in, in the current day. Um, and so each person posts about it and 2% their first check of the month always goes to that disease. So, yeah. Interesting. What has been so far, I guess, the most rewarding thing to you from that? Um, I think, I think, honestly, just seeing how many people actually care. I think, especially, especially guys. I think, as a society, guys are taught uh, as a norm, not to show that 
intimate side of them and the caring side and the genuine side of them because they always have a mask over them to, to seem masculine. Uh, and I think it was, it's really cool to see. It's, it's interesting to see manly men suddenly become so tender once, once something means so much to them. So I think that's what I've gotten most out of it. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. Um, what, I guess, sparked you to start the nonprofit? Um, my, my dad has a few. Um, he has a few nonprofits. And uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, my dad wrote a book called Letters to Katrina. And we went down to, to help all the kids out. And I was, that was probably when we were in school together. I, that was fourth grade? I think so, yeah, probably. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down to Mississippi and we helped all those kids out. And um, I, I, I think it's honestly just how I've been raised. I think my parents have always raised me to, yes, chase after a million dollars and, and then a billion and, you know, buy what you want and do what you want. But also, whatever you do, make sure there's a counter that you're helping somebody. So I think it's, it's just how I've been raised for sure. I love that. I think that's super interesting. And I think it's good that. Um, one of the things that I just observe is that you are extremely great at not getting absorbed in the model, I guess, archetype where people might be full of themselves, kind of like you were talking about earlier. Um, you're just excellent at staying out of that and just being a genuine and good person, regardless of what's around you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, and so we've talked a lot about modeling, um, but you've also been kind of involved in, I guess, acting. Um, what sort of projects have you been involved in, and uh, what are, I guess, your favorite things about that? So acting definitely my main over modeling probably as of right now. So uh, for, for me, it's always, like I said, the, the spiritual side of it. Acting, once you break down, it is a very spiritual art. And... Uh, is very, I wouldn't say taboo in a sense, but it's very out there to people who are good at it. Uh, it's really breaking down somebody and, and seeing who they are and I mean, down to the nitty gritty. So, um, yeah, I mean, acting, I, I haven't been in any massive projects yet. We're still, still waiting on that. It's definitely in full process. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. I definitely had to work on patience. But uh, the, the big thing with getting, getting signed, because that's I think getting signed and acting is a lot harder than getting signed and modeling because uh, you have to prove you have some star quality if you have no credits. And so going up to agents and that kind of stuff, that, that was the first big step. Uh, and this whole past year, uh, year, year and a half, has been about that, really getting placed well before really attacking auditions and that kind of stuff. So now that all those seats have been placed, it's been a super, super busy pilot season. Um, so I've been... I've had auditions in New York and Atlanta that's been flying everywhere, so I'm super thankful for that. Wow. What's, I guess, the next step for you now, now that you've kind of set it up? Um, acting, once you're in this phase, it's really just about putting out a consistent body of work. So it's really just preparing for every audition and getting a good reputation with the casting directors. And um, I think if you do that long enough, something's bound to break because they're so many actors who come out for the fame or come out for the money and don't prepare at all and those sink very, very quick. So as of right now, I think it's just 
you know, putting your nose down and, and grinding. And I, I think the thing about acting is it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in five years. You just can't really think about it. You just have to go to class every day and, and you know, study scripts and, and do that. So Interesting. I'm sure the people that you need to get a hold of for the success in the industry are very difficult to get a hold of. What's, I guess, your special sauce for that? I've actually been, I like that special sauce. It's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been super, super blessed in the sense that I have had amazing connections. So I met two people, John Crockett and Brian McCauley in Denver. Um, and they were casting directors out in L.A. And um, so we'll look back a bit further. So after snowboarding, I had too many concussions. So my body was physically exhausted, so I had to do something with my head. Um, and so that's how I got into acting. And so I researched a workshop in Denver called AEC Studios. And, and Brian McCauley and John Crockett owned that. So that's how I met them. And uh, they, I mean, they were casting directors out in L.A. for six years they did casting for Fast and Furious and Gone Girl and countless other projects Wow! And so they have amazing connections and it's not only that they're just amazing people in general and I, I name both of them right now two of my best friends easily I mean they I probably call them more than my parents <laughs> so they set, wow. they set me up with with agents and casting directors and they've, they've truly been a blessing that's incredible um, and I know you said you were calling them more than your parents. Are, are you living uh, out there with your parents, or are they still back in Colorado? Um, are you no, completely on your own? Yep. Yeah, they're back in Colorado. I'm on my own out here. Awesome. Uh, so it's definitely been, been an adjustment. So I, I, mean, I, I know a couple people out here, and I, I'm starting to, to gain a better friend group and that kind of stuff, but it definitely takes some time. There's definitely a period of... of um, you know, loneliness and sacrifice, but, but that's what it takes. So definitely, and I think you're almost too busy to have to or to have the time to hang out with a bunch of people all the time. So that makes it really tough, I'm sure, to uh, build up a friend group. You know. Exactly, and that, that yeah, that's definitely one thing that I've struggled with. Is like, you know, I'll be on the road for for three weeks and come back, and all that I want to do is just you know hang out with a group of boys and. and do what I guess what I see, I see everybody doing in college, and I don't have that because, or I didn't have that, I do now, but I didn't have that for a while just because I was working so much and traveling so much that it was just ridiculous, so. But it definitely paid off. For sure, I, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, I, and that's how I met a lot of those people, too. I've met people who work, and, and L.A. is one of the places that, I don't think you find your friend group in L.A. ever. I think the, the friend groups that you see out here are people who have all moved from their hometown out here. Um, L.A. is a very, very superficial and, and I guess fake place would be the right way to put it. There's, it's not a good place to find friends, I guess. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Um, I, I've, I've always kind of asked myself that. Why? And I think... I think it could be just that everybody's in the same industry, so everybody's competitive. Um, I, I also think everybody out here is like keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody's trying to one-up each other. It's, it's just one big competition, it seems like. And so it, I always laugh because 
it's like if you buy a you know million dollar Ferrari out here, somebody will drive by with a Bugatti. Like you can never be enough. And so I think that's one of the reasons that everybody's just competitive and nobody really cares about each other because everybody's selfish about their career. And the second you have something over them in that career, they're going to look down on you and not treat you right at all. So it's weird. It really is. That's an interesting perspective. And I think that's very true. I mean, when everybody's competing, it makes things difficult. But when everybody's working towards a single overarching goal, it makes it so everybody has a community. But not everybody there, it seems, is working towards one goal. They're all working towards bettering uh, their own career. So I, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah and, and I think um, I think that's the disconnect. Though, is a lot of people think they're bettering career, but they're, just, they're in the wrong career. They're out, they're out here for the fame or the money, and so it, they're totally ungenuine. They're just not the right people, and they don't have the right motive. Um, and also, I think at the end of the day, the two industries that I'm in, even though they are the ones on the magazine and on the big screen, they're tiny industries, like tiny, tiny. Um, everybody knows everybody. You walk down a street in Hollywood, and I promise you, it's the casting director that you're seeing next week. Like it's a small world out here. Wow. So. Given given that it's limited resources, and so if you do know four out of the sixteen casting directors that are in town, that person's going to be jealous who doesn't have those four connections. Hmm. So. Uh, not to put you on the spot here, but you'd mentioned kind of a purpose. People are going out for a purpose. What is your purpose in in doing this? I think um, right now, I think we live in a a world, I, I, I think it's, acting for sure is an art where I think it's so rare to have people of different races, and especially nowadays with everything going on, different races and different beliefs and different religions, can, a hundred of them can sit in a theater next to each other and not think about that at all and laugh together and bond together over something on a film. Um, I mean, I think, I think that's a beautiful thing, especially nowadays. And, and also, I think using, you know, the spotlight of it for bigger reasons. I think the, the people who you, are the best, McConaughey and, and Pitt and Clooney and all of them, I mean, you look up their nonprofit lists and the charities that they've done and what they do, and I mean, they don't care about the fame at all. They're literally giving most of their accolades away to charities and something bigger than themselves. So I think at the end of the day, that is what, what it's about. So I guess kind of to summarize the creation of community or whatnot. Community and giving people, um, giving people who aren't as artistic or creative a getaway through the screen. I think, um, I think that that's a big one for sure. I, I like, Giving people a organic, healthy way to get away, but, you know, not drugs or that kind of thing. I love it. I think that's a great purpose. Um, so I guess, kind of, as we sort of come to the close here, uh, don't have too much time left. I just want to ask, I guess, one final question, uh, and that question is: What is the single most important thing that you could say to anyone out there to benefit their life? 
good question. Um, I think, I, I mean, I think it's as cheesy as it sounds, uh, know yourself and empower yourself because especially with the digital world nowadays, I think everybody, everybody's confidence, or not everybody's, but a lot of people's confidence are based off of how many likes they get and how many followers they have or, you know, what they're wearing or that kind of thing. And I really think to disassociate yourself from that and to really know yourself and know not to conform to anything or anybody. And once you do follow that true self of yours, that the right people will come and you're going to be 10 times happier anyway than chasing something else and having those people. Um, I think for, for, for our generation right now, I think that's probably the biggest one. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I guess that's really all I've got for today. Is there anything you want to add before we're off? No, thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for putting this together. Of, of course, yeah, and thank you. It's valuable, and it's a resource for people to go to, which I think is, is um, priceless, for sure. I appreciate that, and, and thank you for your time as well. Um, I, I think this was an extremely useful interview to everyone um, who's listening, and uh I think people will be able to gain a lot out of this um, as far as spiritual, uh, spirituality goes and um, I guess as far as uh, really what it takes to keep your sanity in, in uh, such a high-paced environment. Um, so yeah. Yeah, sure. I think it's extremely useful. Um, and I hope everyone was able to learn something from this story. Uh, and if you enjoyed hearing it, please subscribe to hear about more opportunities like this. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, definitely go check out some meditation techniques or uh, some other books that might be able to help you out in, uh, in the future. And I, I have a book list on my website too, so there's probably a hundred books on there. Perfect. I will leave a, a link in the description as well so that people can go find that. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. I do it by myself, do whatever sells Drink some booze as well, till I lose control and yell Wear my leather jacket, the weather painted like pallet My boots are zipped and they strapped and I'm ready to do some bad shit Then I look to my left, don't see shit, homie, sucked on something else Don't eat it, I just want faith without the book You call the pig without a hook, saying sentence heaven Look, he made Devin become a crook, huh? Don't need no one's opinion, yeah, we don't share our vision I'm no fuck with Bill Clinton, but I don't care about pissing off Everybody in the world on my way, there's plenty of people who go with your pain Themselves and never complain, so bitch, I don't need all the words you say.